the cares of the day and focus on you and your word. Mm -hmm. We ask that you will bless our gathering and help me to have the right words to explain what I've been studying in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I pray that if there's any error that it will be corrected, that we will receive this as it was from the word of God. And I pray that you'll be with Brother Given as he's recovering. I pray that you'll heal him, bring him back to us quickly so he can resume teaching. Lord, I pray that we will focus our minds on you and things above. Mm-hmm. And we anticipate a blessing tonight. Yes. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, the uh, 
what I'd like to talk about would be uh, a comparison of the creation that God made mm -hmm. in the beginning with the new creation. Yeah. And uh, in the book of Genesis, it indicates that God created everything in six days. And you think of all that he did, he spoke it into existence, and for any anyone other than God to have done it, which they couldn't, because started he started with nothing. Uh, out of nothing, he made it all, and he spoke it. I believe it was six days. We can't... How many millions or billions of years would it take for a whole team of engineers and scientists with a the most advanced computers, they still couldn't conceive of the, the physical creation, all the, all the things that God has made. And the creation demonstrated his great power, his creative ability, but there are a lot of attributes of God that were not demonstrated in the creation. And I believe that uh, this is uh, a position uh, recently thought about and come to that I believe that the the purpose for the creation was not in and of itself. Amen. The purpose for the creation was so that God could show every single one of his qualities. So you think about the creation that he made. In the beginning, he made, uh, it demonstrates his ability to do things that nobody else could do. He made them out of nothing. And it indicates in... Uh, they first made angels to watch him. And then they watched him as he created everything. And so they put uh, man in the garden, Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam was man and woman, in the case said. And then, of course, we know in Genesis 3 how the uh, creation was corrupted through when Adam ate the banana that Eve. We don't know what kind of fruit it was. I'm just. It was a fruit yeah. that, it was a disobedience, one act of disobedience. Now, Eve was deceived, Adam was not. Adam was there, he took it from her, he ate it, he sinned. And because of that, every single one of us has been uh, a benefit. Well, it's not a benefit, but the result of it was that we are all corrupted. The entire world is corrupted. And there was, the world is winding down. It's not getting better, as some scientists would have you believe. It's getting worse and worse. It is coming to an end. And the sin that Adam did, it ended up causing every one of us to have uh, our nature corrupted. That's a part of our, in our core being was corrupted with sin. And in Romans, it indicates that through one act of obedience, Jesus Christ, the second man, or also the last Adam, mm -hmm. he came to undo what Adam did. So Adam, through one sin, he ended up uh, affecting the entire world for evil. Sin entered the world, and by sin, death. As a result of that, we all die, physical death. Our bodies are winding down, getting sick, and all of the things from, from that have uh, affected mankind to this day, and there's no way out of this uh, apart from Jesus Christ you, you can't find a uh, philosophy you can't find uh, any, any way to 
people try to assuage their guilty feelings or just pretend that this is not, this reality does not exist. But you can't do that. If you uh, strip away uh, down to its core essence, mankind is in a terrible place, alienated from God, separated from God, feeling the effects of the sin that separates us from God. And the, so the creation is a way that God demonstrated his great power and creative abilities. But there's a lot of other things that were not demonstrated by that. Okay, God is righteous. That's a core... It's not just that he is... That, that he meets the standard of righteousness. He is righteousness. That he's the standard by which everyone else is judged whether they're righteous or not. And the Bible indicates that no one is righteous. In Romans chapter 2 and 3, we are all guilty. But... Uh, there are other attributes of God, his mercy, his grace, his justice. All of these attributes could not have been demonstrated in the original creation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, I believe the purpose of the creation, the end result, that was a means to an end. The result, the, the, what had to happen Sin had to enter the world, and the world had to become corrupt so that God could demonstrate. How do you show, uh, in a perfect world, there wouldn't be any, nobody did anything wrong, so you wouldn't have anyone to show mercy to. I mean, if, if sin really does deserve punishment from God, and there was no sin, how could God demonstrate his judgment? Now. Sister June. Thank you. Uh, the world was created with more than just the world in mind. Before, Satan had corrupted things in heaven. And when Jesus died, it says that he cleansed things in earth and in heaven. So what he's doing in the salvation of mankind is eventually going to render all sin in all places to, to be dealt with. There's not going to be any pockets left or any places where sin runs rampant on its own and God just turns a blind eye to it or winks at it. All of it's going to be dealt with. And that's what Jesus did. He's going to wrap it up and then that's going to be made manifest. But God, God himself is intelligent. And anybody with honesty knows that you can go home and talk to your cat, but there's a limitation in the satisfaction that can be found in that. Because <laughs> that cat's just going to look at you, can't really respond, can't really know about you because there, there's a lot of difference. But... God now is, is, has all wisdom and all knowledge and all intelligence and so he's cre has created someone who can know him who can participate with him but he's so holy and so high it, it couldn't just be some creature that was at a distance at him we were made in his image which was probably as close as you could get at that point 
but that wasn't the full image of God that he intended. And so the full, his full communication couldn't be given to Adam. Adam wouldn't be able to understand what we've been given to understand because he doesn't have what we have. The likeness of God in the believer is more precise and more complete than the image of God in Adam ever was. Even though he could find various as far as, you know, smarts goes or something. Well, this the world itself, as a, as a created um, thing that God created, he created the heavens and the earth, he created everything in it, in order that he might display his glory, make himself known, it was a stage in which God was going to be demonstrating aspects of his character that obviously not everyone everyone understands it, but he he has those individuals that he's chosen in the in the earth to his prophets, right? That he, he chose prophets to go forth and speak for God in order that they might they might learn. But see, even in their generation, the prophets in their generation, they didn't understand. They killed them. They, so they didn't, but see, he did it anyway. Why? Because we have a record of it. So now we have a complete record of what God set out to do, speaking as a man, in, in order he might demonstrate his glory, demonstrate his wisdom. I mean, think of how much wisdom and understanding and knowledge it took to create the world. I mean, just that all by itself tells you that this God has infinite wisdom and infinite knowledge and infinite power. Just in the, you look up into the, the heavens at night and you see the glory and the majesty of the creation. What are you looking at? You're looking at a picture. Now it's a very faint image compared to what we have in Christ, but it's there. Yes. It's there. It's a demonstration. And now in Christ, when you look back, once you're in Christ and you've been given of his spirit, now you can look back and you can properly interpret why, why he made it, why he did all these things. It was in order that his sons, that those that are going to, you know, in, in heaven there's going to be neither male nor female. And that, that distinction is going to be abolished. So if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to reign with Christ, and, and there's not going to be this distinction is just for now. In order that, we might understand that even in God's kingdom, there's a hierarchy. Christ is subject to God, right? That's what it says. We're subject to Christ. See, well, why did he do that? To, to prove, to, to show us. So we become aware God is the supreme being. He is. He always will be. He always has been. And yet, look at how, how do we understand that? But God put us in this frame, this framework called the world and, and, and each individual person. Yet we come together, we become a body. He's teaching us this stuff. We're talking about the process and stuff. Peter uh, was saying, uh, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently yeah. who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. 
unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us did they minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So they, they had received the prophecies, but they didn't get the fullness of it. They weren't made perfect without us. That's right. We're That's the made... verse I was looking for. Oh, okay. But the uh, angels longing to look into this. Now, there were angels that sinned, yes. and they were punished. They didn't get a chance to repent. They didn't get a chance to be restored, to be forgiven. And that's different. People do have that opportunity. And so the angels are looking to see what's going on. Yes. Why is God showing mercy to these? Because people aren't as strong or powerful as angels. The yeah. Bible indicates angels are, angels are much more powerful. And so but we're weak compared to angels. But God's showing mercy and forgiving those people, and so the angels are wanting to see what's going on. And the uh, Bible indicates that it talks about the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I believe that before God even began creating anything, he planned this whole thing that's right, that's right. so that there would be, the gospel would happen. That, so the creation, the original creation God made was a means to the end so that he could show his forgiveness his uh, grace and his mercy and his long suffering and his patience all these attributes that if it was just the original creation and that was it and there was no sin none of these things we would know about God and he, he created the world knowing that sin would enter and then man would be alienated from God and separated and the whole thing was planned he planned before he created the world, he planned for Jesus to come and to, I believe, to be born of a virgin. All the, all the prophecies, before the beginning of the world, God planned this. Yeah. And Jesus carried it out just exactly like it was planned. Yeah. Brother Robert. Yeah, the, the, when you look at the tabernacle, specifically when you go into the Holy of Holies, you have this, this, um, this, um, mercy seat. Yeah, the mercy seat with the whole thing of the tabernacle. The holiest of holies. What are you talking about? The thing that they carried on the poles. Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And so, but on both sides, you have angels beaten out of one piece. The whole thing had to be beaten out of one piece. And it had angel cherubs, and they were facing each other, looking down on the mercy seat. So this God's showing us something that his angelic creation are desiring to look into what? How is it possible for a holy God to have mercy on those that are sinners? That the, in heaven, this is not something that fits together. It's a, it, to have mercy, God should have judgment. That, that's what they saw with the angels, right? They sinned. God summarily cast them out with no mercy extended. We have no record that any of the angels or heavenly personalities even knew that God had the capacity to be merciful. And yet he has them build this structure to show the, this is the and it's one part and I love that because that means they are part of salvation they're a part he's called them they, they're ministering spirits to who? to those who shall be heirs of salvation so they're ministers to you they come and they help you and thank goodness we don't see them but, but they are there and they're helping us 
And they're learning by doing that. They're learning what mercy means. Now, I don't know if in the end it dealt, if, if the lesson that they learned that they will be merciful, I don't know. We don't see any of that in the scriptures. We see it, the scriptures, they're sent to do a specific work, and, well, they're going to do it. That's why Manoah, remember, he said, we're going to die. He's, the angel came down, and and, and he, he just, he, why? Because when, right, a holy being is in the room, and you sense it, you sense your defilement. You sense you're not, I'm not worthy. And so, but see, his wife didn't say that. You know, she, she wasn't thinking she was going to die. The angel said she's going to have a baby. <laughs> Brother Marty. You know, God is, is love. And the reason he created an environment where we, we can live, just, just let's just call it earth. That's the term that man has used. This, this physical environment that he's built for us uh-huh. was to show that he is love. He put a people in place that had his heart and his mind. And it was so that we could show our worship to him and that he loved us and we loved him. So but he knew what this was going to take. He, he knew that Adam and Eve would fall. And yeah, he got everything planned out. We co- in, in the earth, we call out a contingency. He knew exactly what was going to happen. But beyond, beyond why, if, if, if we try and go further back than that to try and determine why he made us, you know, human beings, we can't do, we can't do that. It's not in the scripture. Created man, he created man and woman, you know, in, in this universe that he, that he put in place. But we don't know why if we, were, if we wanted to go back and see further back. But in terms of what he wanted to show was that uh, he was a God of love, that he is love, and he wanted people to love him and worship him. We know that from the scriptures that he created people simply to give him glory through worship and praise. It says in the Philippians that there's going to be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. Philippians 2. It says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Mm-hmm. That would include all of the... the uh, all of creation. All of creation. Yeah. Would bow down and worship. And, and at that point, there won't be any choice that we forced to recognize this. And we're doing it willingly during our lifetime, declaring him as Lord. But there's going to be... And I believe this indicates even uh, non-believers who die in their sin, they'll have to be acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and that... Angels, the ones that sinned and didn't remain holy, they will be forced to bow down and acknowledge him as Lord. Well, that's what it says. That's what it says, Philippians Philippians 2. But the the, uh, thing I want to explore is the the new creation, the new creature, Mm -hmm. I guess. Because sin entered the world and man was corrupt, 
God had to change it and make it new, and there was a, a new new order of things that God made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, well, Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17. This is a, a reality that I've experienced and you've experienced and many people who are watching this will have experienced this. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Right. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's the verse I want to discuss. The things that have become new mm-hmm. as a result of the gospel. When uh, Jesus came to reverse everything that Adam did through uh, sin entering the world. Mm-hmm. Jesus, when he entered the world, through obedience, one act of obedience, mm-hmm. he reversed all of this. And we haven't seen it all. It's not all finished yet, but we're in progress. And uh, says there's a new creature. Well, when God started, he made creatures. They hadn't existed before. But the new creature is nothing like anything that had ever existed before. It actually, it says we are partakers of the divine nature. That there's, uh, uh, I'm really missing Brother Given <laughs> right now, and I have admiration for his uh, intense study and writing things out in a fashion that you have a handout. I don't have a handout. But I just, part of, the, uh, there's a lot of things that are new because of the faith in Christ, be going, being baptized into Christ, being made, joining our spirit with the spirit of God, there's things that are made new. And the, turn to Ezekiel chapter 11. This is a, actually, speaking about the, uh, the new covenant, but this is found in Ezekiel. This is, uh, Ezekiel eleven, nineteen. Uh, this is a prophecy, I believe, to Israel, and there are some people from Israel who have turned to faith in Christ. In part, this is still waiting to happen for the Gentiles, for the believing uh, Israel and the Gentiles. This this is a reality, but there's still an aspect in which this is future. It says, uh, well, before this, it talks about bringing them back to where he has scattered them throughout the nations. Uh, Ezekiel eleven seventeen. Therefore, say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they shall come thither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof and all the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them an heart of flesh. That they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. And that's, that is what happens when a person turns to faith in Christ. They're put into Christ. They're given a new heart. So they give them one heart. A, a new spirit. They have a old hard heart that is corrupt and can't be fixed and he takes that and gives you a new heart that's right that, uh, also in Ezekiel chapter 18 yeah. 
where they feel like they're compelled to sin and they can't stop. It could be that they've never heard this and not they've not been changed. And it could be that they haven't heard what the Bible says, the, the power that's available, that they just didn't know about it, and so they're in a state of ignorance. And once they've been told, well, there are resources, so you can have the power of the Holy Spirit, so you can resist temptation. You can 
That's right. That's the power of good preaching, right? Yeah. I can testify to this yeah. for myself personally. Yes. I went to churches for over three years until I heard the gospel. I was baptized mm -hmm. until we moved here, and I heard Brother Gavin preach the gospel. Never heard it. So it happens. <laughs> well, I would say that it is not taught a lot. Yeah. So in both of those conditions, you persist yeah. with there people. There four churches we went to before we came here. Maybe five. Yeah. Well, let's look at Ezekiel chapter uh -huh. 18, 31 and 32. Ezekiel 18, 31 32. Cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. So I say it's, it's impossible for us to do that on our own. That, and there's a sense when this is, he's kind of saying, well, you're going to change? Just go ahead and see if you can change. There's, it's not possible to change yourself. But I also see that this is a way in which he's telling them there is a way to have a new heart and a new spirit and to have your sins forgiven, to, to get your transgressions cast away. Ezekiel is an old covenant. He talks about this uh, several different places. Ezekiel chapter 36. This is talking about the gospel in the Old Testament, Old Covenant. And uh, again, he's talking about he will take them, verse 24. I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Mm -hmm. Well, that happened. They were taken into captivity in Babylon and under King Nebuchadnezzar. They were there 70 years and eventually they came back, built the temple. They did come back. Mm -hmm. And that's when Jesus appeared, yeah. born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died to take away sin. And that's the only way this could be possible. There's also a sense in which for 1,800 to 1,900 years, Israel was not in their land, and now they've been brought back. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe there's a future outpouring of people turning to God. This is, uh, but for myself and and you, you've experienced this. That verse 25. Now listen to this. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you, and new heart. Also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That's the same thing he talked about in Ezekiel 11, Ezekiel 18. He said, I will put my, my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And that is a promise that anyone can lay hold of in the gospel. This this is the part of the new creation that God has made. And we find in the, uh, there's a number of things that are new as a result of faith in Christ. In uh, Romans chapter 6, this talks about how being put into Christ through faith, we participate in his death and burial and resurrection. And verse 
3, Romans 6, verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Some people didn't have faith. They just got wet, and it didn't. there was no no change. And they've been... Uh, but other people, through faith, God did something in their heart. There's an operation that God did that man could not do. It says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So there's a new life where there was death before as a result of Adam's sin. Well, now there's new life. And that's only possible in Christ. Apart from Christ, there is no hope of this. That's right. Amen. Amen. And this is, uh, and this is the part that's, that's uh, uh, a human word to say is a phenomenon to principalities and powers in heavenly places. God said within his, with his own words, the soul that sinned, it shall die. Now, there are some religions that just, they don't understand. I, and I, I go, the Jehovah Witness, a I've been told to my face, look, because God said that, it has to happen. It, and, and I said, I absolutely agree. The soul that's in it, 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 it shall die. It must die. Okay? But, but the problem is, is they don't accept that Jesus was able to die in our place. They don't believe that Jesus is really the Son of God. And this, so this skews their doctrine. So they created a doctrine where they say, well, okay, that then every man's going to die. And his soul, God will kill his soul, and then if he was good when he was here, then when he get to heaven, he'll give me a new soul. But that's not saving my soul. That's replacing my soul with another soul, which is not me. He didn't save me then. So well, how did it occur then? Well, if you know the gospel, Jesus came, he took his sin upon us, and his soul was made an offering for sin. And so the soul that sinned, who was it? Our sins were laid on him. So God looked at him, one man, and it took the place of every man. And that's how great Jesus is. That's how great he is. It's that God could lay the sin, and he could bear up under that. None of us could do it. We couldn't even bear up under our own sin. But Jesus did. So he really did. The soul of the sin that died, but it died in Christ. Just the same place that the new life is, is born. In Christ, that's where we, we don't we don't get when we get baptized. We don't have new life that's independent from Christ. No, we have new life in Christ. In Christ, He baptizes us into His death, which means now we're dead to sin. We reckon ourselves right now to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Now that's salvation. They said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." But you got to do this and do this. No, I have to believe that this happened. That's what He says. It's by faith alone. Martin Luther got a hold of that. Faith alone, just believing, will save you. Of course, Catholicism, they didn't like that. Because they had a lot of stuff on the side you had to do, and some of it you had to pay for, right? So they, wait a minute, you're going to break down our religion here. You're going to take still our money. So what they do, they resisted Martin Luther. Eventually, they slandered him and killed him. See, this is, and this is what they've done to every every person at some point in time if you'll stand for Christ eventually you'll have opposition that comes up against you and you will be made you be made an adversary to people who want to maintain their the, the status quo but see it isn't over with yet Martin Luther's in heaven <laughs> he's with the Lord so see his testimony is lived on 
And all the prophets they've lived on, even though they've been dead a long time ago, according to the flesh, but they're with God. So see, he really did save them. And this is what, what is, what is the point of salvation if in the end it doesn't save you? It's not really salvation at all, is it? But a lot of these, you know, what you're going through here is absolutely critical to the Christian belief, to, to believing that Christ really did remove your sin. These things are critical. There's, as you were talking, I thought of two things. One is a scripture that I forgot to read. <laughs> and another one was, you mentioned it's Isaiah 53, where that God made Jesus' soul an mm -hmm. offering for sin. And that is an aspect of God that could not could not have been demonstrated in the original creation that he did. That's right. Yeah. Because God is righteous, and his standards are so high, if there's even one sin committed by a person, they're not righteous. Yeah. Yeah. And he must punish it. And the, there's a scripture, the soul that sins, it must die. It shall die. Mm -hmm. Well, the punishment of sin is death. Yeah. And if I sin, I should die. And, but every one of us has sinned. Yes. Mm -hmm. Jesus took all my sins mm -hmm. and all your sins mm -hmm. and the whole world's sins on him. Yes. Think of all the billions of people that have lived, mm -hmm. that are now living, and that will ever live. Yeah. All of their sins That's right. he took. Yeah. And, and because of all that sin, God put out his unlimited wrath on Jesus. Yeah. That wasn't part of the original creation. I mean, he just, God made the world and everything in it, but you don't demonstrate wrath in that. Mm -hmm. so he did in a way when he uh, flooded the world when Noah was around and yeah. Noah was righteous and uh, him and his family got into the ark and were saved, but the rest of the world would perished in the flood. Mm -hmm. He showed his punishment on sin there, but if God showed his unlimited wrath to any one of us, we would, uh, there is no way any of us would ever survive that. That's right. But Jesus could. Yes. Jesus, as God in the flesh, he took God's unlimited mm -hmm. judgment and his wrath on him. Yeah. And he came back from the dead. Yeah. At Sister Heather. Brother Given, I'll do my best to explain this. In the Old Testament, often the soul is used interchangeably with the spirit. They sometimes didn't make a distinction between that. But like animals, uh, it talks about a living soul. Those that were not in the ark, they perished. So those that had the breath of life. So there's some aspect in which in uh, the book of Genesis and in the Old Testament, it talks about the soul as a person, you know, uh, with a uh, living creature. But another aspect of looking at it is the uh, the way that mankind's made. We have a three-part nature that, in a way, demonstrates the uh, you know, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, we were made in the image of God, so we have. 
in a sense, we have a, the, the flesh, which would be two parts. The out part, you can see our body, the outside, the uh, inner part of it, which would be our soul, which is our, our essential nature that we, uh, and that is a part that we inherited from Adam that was corrupted. And then there's a third part of us, a spirit, which is separate from the soul. And uh, that's, I don't know if I give a very good explanation, but in, sometimes in the Old Testament, they use soul and spirit interchangeably. I understand. Uh, isn't it the scripture that said that the word of God is able to distinguish between the soul and the spirit? In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it describes, this it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So there is a distinction between the soul and the spirit. That's right. That's right. The soul is a part of us. Our flesh was corrupt. That includes our body, which will end up dying, and our soul, which is a part of us that's connected to our body, and it's pretty much programmed to sin. I mean, our nature, without being changed by God, was that we were enemies of God, and we couldn't, we couldn't keep his law. We didn't even have the desire to do that or to have anything to do with God. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like your emotions and your mind are part of the soul. But your spirit is the real you that controls the emotions and the mind and the body. Uh, Lisa and we're, we're corrupt. You can see what the soul is by what the body does. The spirit, when uh, God breathed into the nostrils of man. Uh, whenever, remember Jesus there, he breathed on the apostles and said, receive the spirit. As the spirit and breath are very often uh, kind of there's a correlation there that God makes in the scripture about the spirit and the breath of God. Right. He became a living soul. Why? Because he had a spirit that was not defiled. He wasn't separated from God. Whenever Adam sinned, in the day that he sinned, he died. His spirit was cut off from God. He was no longer alive to God. He was Dead. It just took his body some time. But then you see the corruption of, a, of a, a spirit that's not alive to God. He didn't cease to be a spiritual being. We are primarily spiritual beings. And our soul is that unseen intermediate, intermediate thing that we can identify. Sister Benita mentioned some of the things where... And these are the things that give expression in the body. You know, if you're covetous, your body's going to work a certain way. If you have lust of the flesh and lust of the eye and pride of life, you're not going to have that in a living spirit. A living spirit, a spirit that's, that's united with the Lord, that's not part of its makeup. And so the spirit is going to determine what the soul does. The soul is going to give expression to that. 
You can't see it all, but once it hits the body, that's where you see it. Uh, there's no doctrine developed by the apostles about this. So we're just we're speculating at best. And I'm not saying we don't know anything about it, but we don't know the answer to that question. But we do know some things. Hebrews 10.38 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul, from a God now, God says, my soul will have no pleasure of him. So why did Adam have a soul after God breathed in him? Because he was made in the image and similitude of God. So he had a soul. What does a soul mean? It means you are eternal. It means you will never die. So when he cast them into the lake of fire, anybody who is cast, they will live forever because they have a soul. They cannot die. That person, that essence of that person can't die. Yeah, they so, exist forever. They, well, but it's the second death. But well, what is living? It's a, it's a, it's no, no. Living, living in, life, life is, it, it, we have to equate life with being with God. We're made alive in Christ. Out of Christ, we're we're dead in trespasses and sins, but we exist. Well, how about Hebrews four twelve? Yeah. For the word of God is alive and active, uh-huh. sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul right. and spirit, joints and marrow. That's right. Judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Because He gives you a new spirit. He doesn't say He gives you a new soul. No. Okay. Why? Because that soul is. The it's aspects of him that he gave it's, 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 it's part it's of who you are. Him. Yeah. He gave it to you. Yeah. He, so so you were created. So how do you know that every single person you meet that's alive and walking around is in the image of God? Because they're walking around. They have a soul. <laughs> I mean, so I can preach the gospel to you, and it can impact your soul. You can, you can want it because that image is in you. So he says, but see, you have a defiled spirit. Like Sister Jim was talking about this. You have, you have a spirit that's separated, wants other things, wants to do other things, wants to go other places. And so what part in the gospel is changed immediately? Your spirit, you're given of his spirit. Mm-hmm. And now what does that do? That controls that's right. your soul. Your soul it, expresses what exactly. your spirit is, so now, the inner thing you are. Now, see, however you want to say it, when you, if you're cast into the lake of fire, you're going to exist there. Mm-hmm. But that existence is going to be your life from then on. That's, it's not going to change. How about we call it eternal it's life set. and eternal death? It's eternal death. So what is death, though? Death is separation from, yeah. from God. Right. So yeah. you're going to live forever or exist forever in separation from God. Now, is it going to be the same life that's in Christ? No, it's not. But... So, so could you say then that I'm going to exist in heaven? Well, you are going to exist in heaven. Yeah, but you're going to, but you're going to live because you're joined to the Lord in heaven. I'm just saying that that it's a fine distinction. It is, but there is a distinction to be had there, even while we're here. I'm not saying men that walk in the earth apart from God, God does not see them as alive in Him. I, I, I agree with that. Okay. They're existing. I agree with that. 100%. But they're but they're dead in trespasses and sins. It says of a woman that that becomes wanton against the the truth. That she's she is dead while she yet liveth. Now they're talking about that existence 
but she is dead. I understand. I understand. So that's the okay. that's the only I thing. Don't want to confuse Sister Heather. The, no, I, I get it. Thank you for the you, you got three basic elements that we know of: spirit, soul, body, and God redeeming all. That's a good thing. So, at the when the person is in Christ, they're given a new spirit. Yes. And that spirit is what joins us to God. Yes. The the soul yes. and the flesh are kind of connected. It's a our carnal nature. The flesh is the outside part. The the soul, the carnal nature, would be the inside part that is connected to the flesh. So they're both corrupted and not changed until we either die and are resurrected and given a new body, or when the Lord comes back, we are given a glorified body. Yes. And that's about all I can tell you. Uh, uh, actually, the don't know that the Bible goes into a lot more detail than that. So we could, uh, I could speculate, but, uh, and uh, this is something I have a somewhat of an understanding on, and we could ask and have more discussions on this. Yes. I wanted to point out a scripture I didn't read before. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. And uh, it says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. It, people say, well, you have to keep the law and follow these commandments and do these things. We end up, if we're in Christ and we're given a new heart and a new spirit, we're given the desire to keep his commandments. Yes. But it's not the keeping of the commandments. Mm-hmm. It's the, whether we're a new creature or not, and it's you can know if you're a new creature or not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people around you, uh, hopefully, they will be able to see it by your the transformation of your life. Sometimes you just won't know, and I mean, sometimes you just can't tell. Other times you can uh, get a sense of whether someone is a new creature or not. But I wanted to point out the most important thing is if you're a new creature or not. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I can't change myself. Uh, there, if you have a, uh, out in your garden, you have a caterpillar going along the leaves and it'll get to a point where it'll it'll stop and it'll weave a cocoon around itself and it'll go into a stasis. And inside that cocoon, it's, uh, it looks like it's dormant or dead, but so it's just in there and after a period of time, it comes out and it's a butterfly. Mm-hmm. And a, a complete transformation happened while it was inside that cocoon uh, went from a, a stage of being a caterpillar, it went to be a chrysalis, and then it went to be a butterfly. And that is a transformation. You couldn't see it happen. And I don't know how, science can't explain how it happens. They, they can describe what it is that happens. But they can't. And uh, just a question. Well, which came first? Though? I mean, if, if people will say that we have evolved Show me how the, which came first, the butterfly or the caterpillar? And how did it, I mean, <laughs> they're totally unlike each other. A caterpillar is not like a butterfly. They're not like each other, but 
the caterpillar turned into a butterfly. So uh, uh, this is not a very good explanation, but a way of seeing that is what is happening on the inside of a person who believes in, in Christ Jesus, they've been changed. That change is happening inside you. Every day you're changing a little bit more to be like Christ. It's a transformation that happens inside as a, a metamorphosis. In, uh, I wasn't planning on talking about that. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, pardon? It says that uh, be transformed, uh, be transformed by the renewal of your of your mind. I think that's uh, Romans. If I remember right. What my amazed me in the metamorphosis of the butterfly is there are several metamorphoses. The butterfly dies, and the, and the next butterfly, and, and the next butterfly, and they're different from one another, and they keep developing yeah. until the last butterfly is the strongest one and is capable of flying all the way from the far north <coughs> all the way down to the south and starting the whole process again. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the development of the Christian. We are, we die to ourselves many times. <laughs> uh, we go through many Gethsemanes. <laughs> we come into many resurrections and in many different forms and many different ideas, it's a constant metamorphosis, a constant change as God is changing us from the old creature we were into the new life that he has manifested. That's right. Yeah, you asked a few about the question, what, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, that's easy. The chicken did because God created us alive and fully mature. So, I mean, that's right. Yeah. He, it, 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 he created Adam and he was a fully mature man. Right. But he created all the cre creations that way. Then they, well, how did they know to, well, they're, it's in them. This is created the world, and everything he created in the world shows forth the new creation, and it does. When you start all the way down to to the microorganisms, to the the, the the dinosaurs, you can see some aspect about what God's doing in the new creation. It's there. I mean, that's how great the new creation is. It would need a demonstration this large to show us. And uh, Brother Gibbon has been teaching about this and preaching. From Second Corinthians three about being transformed, changed from one yes. glory into another. That's right. So what's happening inside that new creature is growing. Yes. Amen. Is the a new man, the inner yeah. man. And Second Corinthians three eighteen, we all with open face, mm -hmm. beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed, are changed. into the same image from glory to glory. Does it and say, then, does it say are? Or does it say should be changed? Are. Oh. We are changed. That sounds like something he's doing. Yeah, well, yeah of course. I, I don't know how to do that. Okay, and then, it happens and, as we behold him. That's right. Not apart from him. But, and, uh, but, Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed yes. by the renewing of your mind, that you yeah. may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's a transformation that's happening. Yeah. The new creature, the, the, the new man uh -huh. is... It's being transformed. And the, the verse I was looking for is in Ephesians 4, 12 through 
23, and this is talking about being in Christ. Ephesians 4, starting verse 22, you put off concerning the former conversation, your former way of life, put off that, the old man, which is corrupt. That would be talking about our our soul, our flesh, our uh, carnal nature. Put off that old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's that transformation, the renewing. And here it says, verse 24, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we're like uh, Adam was created in the image of God. Well, this that was corrupted. But this new creature that God has made is in his image. Probably. I was going to say it would be probably better than the original Adam, but that would be speculation. But all I, all I know is there's a new creature, a new spirit, mm-hmm. and we're being transformed, yeah. and it's something that we couldn't make happen ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you can... Uh, it's a process that happens in your life that sometimes you think, well, you're not making any progress, and maybe other people could see it that you couldn't see it. Uh, well, I wanted to point out that some of the new things about the, the, the new creation, the new creature being transformed. You have uh, a new heart, a new spirit. We have... Uh, New desires. Yes. We yes. have uh, in uh, Colossians chapter three. Verse one. If if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, was singular, your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Well, I couldn't do that if God didn't change me. I, the, the old man had no desire for God. It couldn't. Why would I set my mind on things above? That, as an unsaved person, that would be foolish to me. But here it says, if we are dead in our, it says, if you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Because of this new man, this new creature that he's made, then it changes the way we think and the, the things that we want, the, our desires, and our affection. Mm-hmm. That certainly isn't anything that I could have done on my own. Uh, I just well, wondered. basically, whatever is in Christ is alive Godward. Whatever is not in Christ is still written off. It's the flesh. It's it's what we used to be. That's that's why it goes ahead and said, mortify therefore your members. This is this is operating according to our life in Christ. If a person reverts back and decides, well, no, I don't. Ha- I I'm going to step outside of Christ on here because I don't want to do what he's he's directing. I don't want to. I don't like this. Whatever it is, then. Whatever that is, is not accepted by God. It's unclean. So it says, Christ, who is our life? He is our life. Not just he gives it to us from a distance. 
We are, God put us in him. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. So we have been put into Christ by God. And that's where our life is. See, it's not, Paul said in another place, it's no more I that live, but Christ in me. So we've got to get rid of this notion that there's any acceptance or any life anywhere for us except for in Christ. And we still have, we still have the remnants until we're liberated from this body. We still have the remnants. That's why we've got to subject uh, our bodies. And that's why we have to uh, have dominion over our members. And we see that's expressing the life of Christ while we're still here before we're totally liberated from this. There's uh Sister Jude just said, this isn't something that we can consciously set our attention. I'm going to make sure I don't do this. That's not how you do it. You focus on Christ. You, you, you focus on what he's doing. You focus on, on, the, on the kingdom and, and living, living for God. That, and when you do that, when you turn your face towards Christ, this other is addressed. You, 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 as soon as you start to try, I'm going to try to fix myself. I'm going to try to fix some aspect of myself. You will fall down. You can't. You can't do it. This is just the way that the, the gospel has been designed. We are to believe in, in Christ. We're to set our, our focus on him, on what he's doing. And in that action, we'll receive grace to where we'll deny ungodliness and worldly lust and we'll live righteously and holy. That's what will what happen. And if that's not happening, it's not because we're not trying hard enough. It's because we're not focused on Christ. When you focus on him, well, he says he that believeth will never die. Never. Now, now, your foot won't slip. It won't. He'll keep the feet of the saints. But not. it's not automatic. It's not like, well, I said the prayer now 20 years ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven. Well, if you're keeping your focus on Christ, if, you're, if you are in Christ, now, you cannot sin and be in Christ. You can't do it. It's impossible. In him is no sin. That's what it says. So what, what happens when I sin? I'm drawn away of my own lust. I'm enticed to what? To turn away from Christ and to do what I want to do. And when that happens, you sin. Well, now you're going to have to be rescued again. And, and why? Why? Because you have left Christ. That's the truth. You've still stepped away from the righteousness that's in Christ to do whatever you wanted to do. It wasn't, well, it wasn't me. Yeah, it was very much you. The person, when he sins, it's very much that person. If I sin, it's me. I sin. Now I have, I have to repent, right? If I don't repent, there, uh, then he said, well, I've been living for Jesus for 20 years. I don't have to repent. This is dangerous doctrine. And every moment of breath that you take, you've got to live for Christ. And if you don't, you're going to do something that you're going to have to repent of. And the very fact that you have to repent of it means that salvation is not automatic. This is something that's an ongoing day-by-day, moment-by-moment work. We're leaning the weight of our souls on him. And what does he do? He gives us eternal life. He gives us the kingdom of God. But it has to be walked in. So see, when a person says, well, 
you know, I know I sinned, but it wasn't me. No, that's wrong. It was you. You did the sin, and so you have to repent. And he'll give you repentance if you'll confess your sins. So see, this is, this is it's, it's, it's so personable. You know, God, one-on-one, -on -one, he created the world. He spoke the world into creation, right? Now, the new creation is no different. God's a part of it every step of the way, or it's not of God. He doesn't, God has not stepped away from salvation. He's still saving. Jesus is still at the right hand of God, working salvation on the earth. Jesus hasn't, like, taken a break. You can imagine if Jesus ever took a break, we'd all fall immediately. Satan would overcome the world and destroy it all. Jesus is, is, is over everything that he did. So, anyway, I, I say this because this is, there's a tendency in, in, in the day we live in to minimize this personal, one-on-one, 24-hour-a-day aspect of gazing upon Jesus and not looking away. Because when Peter did it, he would testify it wasn't a good idea. Okay, here's where faith comes in. Yes. That's why it's impossible to, without faith, it's impossible right. to please God. Yeah. This is how we keep fixed on Christ. Yeah. We keep believing on him. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Mm -hmm. So, and nobody is going to sin by faith. No. Yeah. So, there's, there are things that we have to grow with. There, there, are, there are things that, that we'll know if the Lord leaves us here mm -hmm. tomorrow that we might not have known today, which will be a further change. But the change isn't going to be like a departure. It's going to be a maturing and pressing in and growing up into that accord, our measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. But that's how it becomes personal. It's by faith. Mm -hmm. So in this passage in Colossians chapter 3 mm -hmm. about the new affection that we have, yeah. it, it does require our participation. Mm -hmm. it's, it just, it's like you said, it's not just automatic. It just right. doesn't happen. We, by faith, we trust God and we do specific things, we resist temptation, we uh, it has a list of things to do uh, verse 3 you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God when Christ who is our life shall appear then she shall ye also appear with him in glory, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth now mortify, what does that mean? well a, a mortician that's a related word would have someone who takes care of dead bodies so this has to do with putting to death things, mortify. So you're yes. killing or putting to death your members which are upon the earth. And this is this is the part where, apart from Christ, everyone has experienced these things. It's just part of the old nature. Mm -hmm. These parts of our, mem our members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, that would be a very strong lust, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them, but now also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Amen. filthy communication out of your mouth, mm -hmm. 
Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. There's a putting on the new man and being renewed. It's a transformation. This is that new creature. And there's things, specific things to do and not do, but it's not, okay, so today I'm not going to be angry, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to cheat and steal and swear and... And I seriously doubt anyone who is not in Christ can successfully restrain themselves from sin. It may not be any... You might say, well, I'm not doing that sin. Well, what about all these other sins? But I'm telling you, in Christ, you have the... He gives you the ability to resist temptation. It says when we were without strength. That's right. That's the expression. Without... Before Christ, we were without strength. We did not have what was necessary. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Mm-hmm. You put yourself under the Spirit, you will have self-control. By believing. That comes from believing. Yeah. Amen. You read these things here, the things that are written before. If you believe them, mm-hmm. you're not going to behave different, mm-hmm. uh, differently than, than Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fellowship of the Spirit would lead you there. there you're not going to ignore that. You're going to you're going to abide in the grace of God. You're going to ask Him for whatever. If you find yourself wanting in some area, we run mm-hmm. to the Lord and ask for grace whenever we need help in these things. But we do that because we believe what He said, mm-hmm. and we believe that He's true. In the verse in Romans 5, 6, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Mm-hmm. He's able to give us the strength right. that we don't have. Right. So, uh, back again to Galatians chapter 5, 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Mm-hmm. If a person is not a new creature, it doesn't matter how many good things they do or how many, uh, how much of the law they try to keep, which they will not be successful in doing. It matters or not whether or not you're a new creature. So there's a transformation process, a renewal that's happening. It's there inside. You can't see it happening. It will, it will work its way out through your actions and your thoughts and your things like that. But that's. This is an amazing thing of God's creative ability still at work in us today. I think it's, and I think it's even more amazing than the than the original creation, if I could mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's more glorious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything that's going to pass away, I mean, God made the world. He made everything, made it all perfect. But when Adam fell, he had a, it had an effect a lot more on other things than we dare to imagine. But this world then became, of course, in God's purpose, the world was disposable from the beginning. He made it in order that it might, like, like we've already said, be a place where he could demonstrate his aspects of the glory. But it was never going to, this was never going to be an eternal realm. It was just a temporary 
And then, but the, the revelationary talks about a new heaven and a new earth coming down from heaven, right? Prepared as a bride. Now, now there's one aspect he's talking about the people of God when he's when he's when he's talking about this. That, that, that's the bride. It's the people of God. But we're going to have a place to live that's holy and righteous. That's what he's talking about. The environment's going to be one of holiness, and and there'll be nothing nothing there that defiles. And, all the key revelation, that's a wonderful book. The whole thing's a wonderful book. It proves that the saints win, that they're going to take the kingdom, God's going to give it to them, and that God himself's going to move in with them, and it, the work's going to be completed. Now, now that's, all of us want that. We want this work that's begun in us to be completed and, and be perfect and entire and never again be drawn away and have purpose, I mean a real purpose, to where we know what we're doing and we do it for God and he's glorified in it. We're going to a great, we have a great destiny. The church does. Amen. Thank in you, uh, Romans chapter 7, it talks about uh, Romans 7 verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also become dead to the law, by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another. So he's picturing a marriage relationship when one person dies and the marriage is over and they're free to marry somebody else. And we were married to the law, but he said now we're married to Christ. Yes, that's right. Well, marriage is a covenant between two people. That's right. So death breaks that, uh, severs, not breaks in a bad way but it severs that covenant it says we are dead to the law by the body of Christ that right. we should be married to another even to him who is raised from the dead that we should bring forth fruit unto God for when we were in the flesh the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death so these evil thoughts that I had these evil desires they worked themselves out in my body doing things that were uh, opposed to God, and they brought death. But now, verse six is it? But now we are delivered from the law, yes. that being dead, wherein we were held, so it was like a bondage. That we should serve in newness of spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. So we now have the strength that Christ gives us, are able. Not like uh, an outward conformity to the law, where you uh, focus on the outward appearance to people, but is truly in your heart keeping God's law, being obedient yeah. to God in the spirit, a newness of spirit. It's the obedience of faith, which means you have agreement with it. The enmity has been put away. Yeah. Well, this is a uh, something I've been thinking about for about a week now, and uh, in the middle of the night, laying in bed thinking about it, and not writing anything down. So, uh, sorry if this is a jumbled mess, but I wanted to compare. Uh, the point was that I believe the new creation is greater than the original creation. And the, originally, the original creation is going to all pass away. It'll all burn up, and it won't be around anymore. Yes. 
But the new creation is going to is going to be something that will survive when this world is burnt up and dissolves, and there's a new one made. The new creation is going to exist there. That's for the Marty. One thing to think about is that the old creation was created in six days. Yeah. The new creatures so far taken only six thousand years. <laughs> yeah. We're not finished yet. That's right. So when he created the world. He was able to demonstrate his power, but his righteousness, his grace, mercy, long-suffering, patience, all those attributes of God, he couldn't show them just in that. And so when sin entered the world, now he, before it happened, he made a remedy. Before the foundation of the world, he said the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. His plan was in existence before he even created the world, for the purpose of demonstrating Amen. so now you have yeah. people who have been corrupted and trapped in sin mm-hmm. and rightfully they should die but now God is able to show mercy yeah. to Amen. them and show his grace to them That's right. and so I, that is a, a thought that I had that I wanted to present tonight and may have raised some questions about other areas and hopefully we'll uh, I appreciate all your assistance because it made the class better than I could have made it thank you very much and now uh, prayers Well, we're talking about this creation tonight, so our prayers are one of them that I think we can we can join in. In our prayers, we want to join with the mind of God concerning the greatness of this salvation. So as we consider the new creature, we want to... Uh, Pray for for more grace to to enter into experientially uh, a greater a greater participation in the new creatureship that uh, that God would would open up to us any areas that He wants for us to increase in and for us to be able to believe Him for the grace overcome this uh, with with Christ you think of the purchase the first creation it, uh, it got, God crowned it if you will with mankind man was to be the one that that uh, was able to discern God in the things that he made so in this new creature, is, is going to have a very high function in not only our knowledge of God, but in knowledge of God generally in, in the eternal creation because we have been made participants in that world to come if we remain steadfast. So, um, to pray that the Lord will show us more about what Christ has made us. Yes. 
and then we'll we'll start with the I guess we'll start with Sister Tanya and go around this way and um, whatever prayers that that you want to bring up please feel free to do that and we'll we'll join with you we'll participate with you in your prayers by agreement
revealed yourself to us, Lord. We are ready. We are able to receive these things from you. We're thankful that you lead us, that you've guided us, and that you've directed us. Even every day, Lord, you lead and you guide and you direct our steps. Help us to look to you in all things. We anticipate, Lord, the answer of this prayer, that we would understand what the new creation is in Christ Jesus. We would grow in a comprehension of that. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come tonight giving you thanks, Father, for the death of Christ. And Father, he died to make it possible for you to give us a new spirit. You, we, you could actually impart unto us the Holy Spirit. You could live within us and guide us in the, in the truth things that are freely ours in Christ. We thank you, Father, for, for, for that you're saving our souls. And Father, the, the person that we are now, the one that we are in Christ Jesus, will be, will be preserved and enter into glory to be with you. We thank you, Father, that Christ died and made it possible for you to promise us a body like his glorious body. And Father, one day we're going to move into a body just like the body that Jesus has. One that's eternal, one that can't sin, one that you're pleased with. Father, one that's pleasing to Christ. Father, we thank you, Father, for the work of salvation. We ask, Lord, that we would comprehend it more, that it would be um, uh, more alive to us as we enter into it by faith. Father, help us, Lord, to encourage one another and to um, point the way. To your son, whose name we pray, amen. Amen. amen.
thank you for uh, giving us a love of the truth, Lord. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we thank you for the love of the brethren. Lord, we thank you for taking us out of the miry clay and yeah. seating us in heavenly places, Lord, with your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you've given for us paths of righteousness to walk in. Yeah. Lord, we just desire to have more grace. We would pray that uh, you bless us with more discernment of the things of the new creation, of those things that Christ has wrought in us, Lord, that we might uh, walk according to your ways, that we would please you, that we would indeed do everything unto you, Lord. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the ministry of prayer. Um, we thank you for this ability to give a, a testimony of effectual answered prayer, Lord, as you pro uh, protected Brother Gibbon over the last uh, few weeks. Lord, we thank you for your love toward us in this, for the demonstration of your love. And this is all because of what your son Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We have all things because of his obedience to die for us on the cross, Lord. We pray these things in his holy name. Amen. 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 Our Holy Father in heaven, we come to you today humbly and
that you would give him peace and comfort. Oh Lord, I pray that this evening would be a time of marked encouragement and of him being built up by your spirit in the inner man, that he would have a multitude of things to share with the brethren as a result of this time that he is spending in quietness and in contemplation of your word. Lord, I pray that you would also restore him again into our presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we come to you this evening with humble adoration. We thank you so much for all the blessings that you bestowed upon us, most of all your son. We also ask that you continue to bless Brother Given and, and help him in a rapid healing and recovery. Be with Brother Maddox tomorrow as he undergoes his dental procedure and keep him comfortable and safe. We also ask you to help us to continue to keep our spirits in your path with you our focus so that someday we may have eternity and our souls may be with you in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, I agree with every prayer that has been lifted up. As we all sit together with you in the throne room tonight and we reveal our hearts, Father, Father, I, I pray that your heart now be revealed to us in our thoughts, our minds, and our emotions so that we can continue on to be more in this life than we could ever hope, think, or imagine. Father, I pray for mercy for the United States of America. Father, I pray that, uh, that you'll send your, your fire into uh, our leadership in this country. Father, because greater is you than anything else that could come against our leadership. Father, I, I believe this, that, Father, even though they may have committed themselves to darkness, Father, there has been a lot of scriptural examples of, uh, of men and women who have turned from their wicked ways mm -hmm. when they have seen the light. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them have got to go out and graze like a donkey for years, Father, you brought them back. So, Father, I, I ask that you will, you will give us mercy in this country. Father, I don't care what political party they come from. Father, I ask that they become a man and a woman of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Father, that they have your disgust, but also your pleasure. Mm -hmm. Father, that the, that the laws that were passing to create sin in this country, mm -hmm. Father, let them be as disgusted as you are so that righteousness can proclaim. Mm -hmm. Father, you said that if the righteous reign, and we got peace, but we don't have the righteous mm -hmm. reigning in this country. And that's why we have so much division and, and disrupt, disruption in every area of our life. So therefore, Father, we look to you and only to you as the author and finisher of these prayers tonight. There is no other way it's going to happen. So therefore, we hear these prayers and we believe them deep from our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this lesson that Brother David taught us about the newness of life. We thank you that we were very edified by it. We continue to pray for Brother Given that you be strengthened at this time. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening. Uh, we can gather together and 
and study your word. Thank you for all the precious saints here. Mm-hmm. Pray that you keep us all safe. Pray that you will give us your strength as we go from here. And we'll have boldness to live our lives pleasing to you no matter what other people might say and to be bold to witness about you and your word no matter what people may say. And Lord, I'm just very thankful what you've done, giving us a new heart and a new spirit and mm-hmm. making us new creatures Amen. and the transformation process that you're doing inside us. Mm-hmm. You've given us newness of life. And Lord, we have you've given us strength so we can keep your law after you put us in Christ and fall in the, in the newness of the spirit. And Lord, I pray that we will live by faith and choose to live our lives pleasing to you by faith, putting off the works of the flesh and putting on the new man and participating in you with this, with salvation. And we ask that you be with Brother Given. You give him strength in his body, but also in his inner man, that he'll be encouraged. And I pray that you'll bring him back to us soon. And Lord, we're just so thankful for his godly example. And I pray that you'll bless him in all of his uh, all of his life. The, his projects, which he's doing, in his finances, in his family, in his relationships, and I pray for the the new opportunity that's happened in Pakistan with the uh, broadcasting the gospel teaching and preaching there. I pray that that will be able to continue, mm-hmm. and I pray you be with Sister June as she ministers to Brother Given, and we ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. 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 Our Holy Father in Heaven, we thank you that you have given us your truth and that you've given us the mind of Christ that we might be able to receive the truth with comprehension. Lord, we pray that we would know both uh, in in a manner of understanding and also through participation what it is to be in Christ what it is to be uh, living in him. Father, he is the way in which we walk. He is the way to all of your good pleasure concerning your people. Lord, we pray this for all of your saints in the earth. We pray that the knowledge of God would increase and grow. And with that, that growth, that It would become more and more evident your wonderful works in the hearts and in in the uh, conversation of your people. We ask, Lord, that, that you would give us more influence for righteousness and holiness. That, Father, we would be, uh, we would be pleasing to you (coughs) in everything. We thank you that you are bringing us to yourself by Christ, your Son. And Lord, we desire most earnestly that day when we shall stand before thee and by Christ that we will hear you say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
enter into the joy of thy Lord. Amen. So, Father, we joy in Christ Jesus now. We pray that our minds and hearts would be consumed by our thoughts and love for him and for thee. And, Lord, that you would cause us to have that wisdom which is from above and that you would, um, that you would guide us in all of your good pleasure, that you would show us the way that we should go. And Father, that your, your word would dwell in our hearts richly, that it would be our meditation day and night. These, these things are real. We know that they are real. They're not just platitudes or wishful thinking. Because Christ is real, these things are real, and we have been brought into it we want to realize it to a much greater uh, extent and that it would be both the joy and rejoicing of your heart and of ours. Father, we pray for Brother Maddox. Ask your blessing and your watch care over him. We thank you for what you have done and are doing for Brother Given. We thank you for all of the brethren here. And we pray, Father, that, uh, well, we thank you for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and for mutual faith whereby we can edify one another. Thank you for Brother David's efforts this evening. Pray that you would continue to bless him and all who minister at any time so that we might give glory to thee with one mind and one mouth. We ask it in Christ's name with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. We have a, a gentleman staying with us. He's a, a student. He's, he's doing his Ph.D. doctor thing. He's doing his internship uh -huh. at Freeman Hospital. And uh, he came home from the story last night. He said that he and the nurses and the doctors and all the other stuff had never seen this. And I said, what was that? And he said, well, there was a 90-year-old man that had been in a coma and for a long, long time, and the family had decided, well, well, the doctors were saying, pull the plug, it's time to let it go. Well, the family said, give him one more day. Well, over that next 24 hours, he came out of it, he's fine, he's sitting up eating, you know. He worked out the part about all the people praying for him. Well, yeah, so that's kind of now, during that 24-hour period, that room was flooded with people in prayer. You know, so prayer does accomplish everything. You know, and so therefore, as far as I'm concerned, I'm reporting this as raising the dead. Because he was as good as dead. Now, there was another occasion similar to that over at the Pittsburgh Hospital. Sister Rader reported this, that... Uh, there was a, a woman, and she was unresponsive. The doctors had looked at her extensively and said, we have done everything that we can do. There's nothing more we can do for her. And she will, will doubtless pass away uh, probably within the day or, or very shortly after. And the family asked Sister Ada to lead them in prayer and they were praying, and I'm not clear on the time there, but it, 
it was a fairly short amount of time. She said that the woman opened her eyes and she very quickly gained her bearings and she's at home now doing just fine. And they, they had given her up for dead. So again, there's another, the, the people inquired of the Lord and asked for help and he answered. Amen. Now with Brother Given, I do want to say this. You know how many times he's been in the hospital? And all those times they never caught that blockage in his artery. And the doctor was just totally amazed that he wasn't dead like a long time ago. Or that he hadn't had a massive stroke or heart attack, which would render him probably, you know, pretty much a prisoner of his body. He said it, he'd never seen one that that bad, or he'd never performed one that difficult. And he said, if you were my son, I would have been afraid. Is so, brother given at home now? Or is he, he is at home, yes. And we're going to rush right back home to him. But at um, any rate, he spared him. Yeah. If this had not, if he hadn't had that, that, that sensation, and that short lapse of consciousness, he'd have never gone to the hospital, and who knows what would have happened. Amen.